Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the podcast. We're here tonight with JD. JD, welcome back. Hey, it's like I never left. <laughs> so tonight, What's JD new? and I... We're going to catch up on some of our DIY projects, the ones that we have in the works, and uh, just kind of go over some of the things that are happening uh, in our respective uh, shops and uh, uh, gun rooms or man caves. Just kind of catch up and see what you guys are doing. So I guess before we uh, move too much further in, J.D., why don't you pull you some brass for us? Hey guys, uh, thanks for supporting the show through Patreon. Uh, your monthly support, uh, helps us, uh, keep the show on track. Um, life has just jumped up and kind of bit me in the butt. So I'm trying to do everything I can to get, uh, things situated and get four wheels back on the ground. Um, so it's kind of been an autopilot. Um, we have been reaching out and talking to uh, several people, um, H and K to be one of them. We've heard back from, uh, a couple other, um, companies that we're working on getting on the show and, and discussing uh, having them on for interviews. So we're looking to get back to uh, regular, whatever that looks like. It may not be every week. It may be every other week. It may be uh, the best we can do. So we're just trying to uh, balance that with lives, but uh, thank you guys for supporting. Uh, it all goes into the show stuff. Um, Craig, I have it in the show notes. I heard from our winner of the uh, giveaway, Craig Carter, uh, he is pretty stoked uh, to pick up that C-45 side-charging pistol from New Frontier Armory. Um, I did. I have had some communications with uh, Mr. Dave there at New Frontier Armory. I believe we will be doing a C-5 giveaway that is their MP5 uh, lower that they have going on that uh, I am just now a very, very big fan of. Um, so we'll be doing that in the future. Uh, like I said, we got several people we're talking to, so uh, we'll see see how things go. I need to take the giveaway down from the website. Actually, is what I need to do next. You know, I think absolutely. I think it's time. You think? I mean, we've got the winner. The winner does not have the pistol yet. We're working on that with the new Frontier Armory. Um, it's been in Jill's office for a while. I've, I've been told. So we're going to actually store all of the giveaways now in Jill's office. Um, Jill kind of scares me, so I'll say that on the podcast, but I won't say it to her face. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'll just let you keep doing what you need to keep doing. Oh, thanks, man. All right, so what have you been doing in firearms, JD? So I'm going to catch so much grief for this, like a mountain of grief. But I'm ready for it. Um, so life has been busy. My, uh, my son's got stuff going on. My other son's got some medical stuff going on. So we're, we're juggling a lot of things going on. Um, so building rifles has not been, uh, at the top of my list. Well, but uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you go on, you talk about your son dealing with some stuff, but it's good stuff, right? Yeah. Like for, he's, uh, so. My son's uh, got a big baseball tournament coming up, and we're planning all that and the logistics and stuff. My youngest son's got some uh, got some struggles we're working on, so it's kind of taken a lot of the focus of our family, and uh, so we're working on that right now too. But 
it's all good stuff. We're seeing we're seeing benefits and things and things are starting to get a little bit uh, a little bit more level, I guess to say. There's still some turbulence, but uh, things seem to be doing okay in this moment. Now, check with me in ten minutes. I may need some Xlax tums and what is that milk of magnesia? What does Metamucil do for you? Yeah, uh, that like that's fiber that helps you. That's go. fiber. And maybe I just need to eat a big old can of. Uh, pinto beans, but yeah, it just taking it as a day by day basis and keeping in contact with Reed and uh, trying to be here as uh, regular as I can. So, um, with all that stuff going on, I do not have time to build rifles. Um, I know, shocker. Um, I've built one. I've built a 300 blackout SBR, and I love, I love it. And I've got another SBR about like if I was to gauge it, about 57.27 percent of the way done. I just don't have time. Um, our weekends are packed and, and things are just crazy. So they do it in baseball. Um, the American league has the designated hitter. I have a designated rifle builder. Um, so I reached out to a friend and uh, they're going to take care of some of the builds for me and uh, help me out with them. And uh, I am quite gracious that uh, Nick and his uh, lady friend are going to do that for me. They are affiliated with new frontier armory. They are great people. And, uh, Man, if you were a person of prayer, uh, be praying for Nick and John. Uh, they went on a hog hunt in Texas a couple months ago, and um, they've been through some stuff uh, overseas. They, they got blown up by an IED, uh, and then they decided to take to the air, and the helicopter fell out of the freaking air. I kid you not. And uh, so they're both on the road to recovery, and uh, Nick and his gal are going to build six rifles, um, two 308s, one six five Creedmoor, one M sixteen A one clone from Brownells, another SBR, and a two two four Valkyrie. I believe that's all I have right now. I may have more. I may be surprised by something that I find when I'm putting everything together to, to ship over to Nick. But um, yeah, they have a designated hitter in baseball. I have a designated rifle builder. It's no big deal. I'm sure I'll put Nick in the Hall of Fame. Uh, for it, just like Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz <laughs> the Hall of Fame. So I fully expect grief uh, for it, and that's totally okay. I can take it because at the end of the day, I'll be able to go shoot my rifles. Uh, and right now, I can't shoot them. <laughs> and trying to find the time is just not, just doesn't look like so on the, the horizon. But uh, I'm excited to get those together and uh, get them actually off the bench and into working mode. Um, the emails that I've gotten from you guys, from the listeners, uh, that have been supportive and stuff. I really appreciate it. Uh, more than I can, uh, positive, more than I can possibly express. Um, it's just, uh, we just do this as a hobby and, uh, to, to have you guys invested and to, uh, say very kind things and then, uh, then joke in the next sentence. I greatly appreciate that. So, uh, thanks to, to all those guys, uh, who reached out and, uh, uh, those are contacts through email on the Facebook page. So that's about it. Um, should Wait, I talk about this? No. Yeah, go ahead. Should I talk about my emotional buy that I made? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Purely emotional. Okay. You, you so bonded um, with it emotionally. I, I did bond with it emotionally. So yesterday, um, I have, um, a really cool, I've talked about it before, a nine millimeter SBR that, um, I'm working on with New Frontier Armory and they released their C5 lower. It's like uh, it takes MP5 mags. It's really just this. I'm really impressed with it. And so I called my friend Ivan. Um, I think he's the general manager or Grand Poobah or chief firefighter 
uh, over at uh, New Frontier Armory. A uh, great guy. And uh, I told him, you know what? I'd like to do uh, a build on the C5 platform. Uh, so we walked through it. And um, instead of waiting, I think the wait time's down to about 190 days uh, for uh, stamps right now. I haven't checked in a little bit. But um, decided to do the AR pistol. And so it's got the uh, shockwave on the back of it. Uh, it's a C5. It's got an 8-inch barrel on it. 9 millimeter takes the MP5 mags. Uh, it is a side charger. Um, I'm pretty in love with it at the moment. Like, it's it's definitely the new girl on the block, but um, I wasn't sure. You know, I, I bought that MP5 and I got it out of jail earlier this year, and I really enjoy shooting that and the mystique and everything that goes behind the MP5. And, like, it's my dream unicorn gun and all that, all that wonderful, lovely stuff that I won't bore you about until I start shooting rainbows and gumdrops out of my butt. But this, this could make me change my mind on buying that and spending that amount of money. Um, it's nowhere near what I spent on the MP5, but it feels and it handles much like it, and it would be adaptable like um, like an AR is. You can change it up however you want it. Um, I think it, it's pretty cool. And when I held them both side by side last night, um, they were similar but different, if that makes any sense, Reed. Are you saying that you were spooning with them last night? Uh, I was sporking with them last night. Okay. I do. I like to do things just a little bit different. I and see so I really like the build. I mean, there's, I love arrow precision. There's, there's no doubt about that. And new frontier armories on that same level with me, just to not only the products, but the people that are out there too. Um, they're just an amazing group. Uh, and they do a lot for gun rights here in Southern Nevada. Um, but the quality of the product, um, Oh, snap. I bought three rifles from last month, too. I totally forgot that. Um, my boys don't know it yet, but they have uh, Christmas presents coming. Um, they had a, a smoking deal. I shared it on the Facebook page. It was like four, I think it was four ninety nine for a complete rifle. And uh, I picked up uh, three of them. And uh, my boys have their Christmas shopping taken care of this year. So, um, gosh, I have a problem. I think you do. So I, I really, I really like the craftsmanship and the quality of the of the build on the C5, and um, I might be kicking myself a little bit that the SBR that I have is built on the uh, C9 platform that they have and takes clock magazines, mm-hmm. but uh, it'll still be pretty cool. This may actually end up as a future SBR if I decide to uh, throw a Battle Arms uh, the PDW stock on it or something like that for it. But I, I really. Really impressed with it so far. I ran home, grabbed a box nine millimeter, ran out to the desert real quick before uh, we got soaked by some rain and uh, shot it off. I like it. Uh, my wife really likes it. Doesn't it? Doesn't kick at all. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably the most JD review that you're going to get. Uh, <laughs> on it. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed uh, with it all the way around. And you know, if uh, you have any ideas for a build that you'd like to do, and uh, you're wondering about side chargers, I'm telling you, I. I may be, I may be sold on this for, for everything. Um, I have bear paws. And so pulling a charging handle, um, you know, like the Raptor and, uh, LWRC has one too. And there's a couple others. I mean, they make it easier to pull and stuff, but man, this is never going to rack my knuckles trying to, uh, uh, rack the rifle. So, um, I'm pretty well sold. It's my first uh, side charger. And uh, I know they offer it in um, all of their platforms. So uh, 
we'll get David on for a loose round show soon. I think David, Tony Simon, and um uh, maybe Tony from um man, I'm drawing a blank. Is it Fortis? I think it's Fortis. Mm-hmm. I think Tony from Fortis. I think the three of those guys throw it in with a salty old marine <laughs> and a dude that forgets what he buys. I think that would be an interesting show to talk about some things. Maybe we could talk about um, a Supreme Court nomination or something like that in the future. I think that would be a good uh, loose round show. But right. um, So I got this from Ivan last night, and then I looked up on the wall, and behold, uh, my next in the line of the Holy Grail was sitting up on the wall in New Frontier Armory uh, as a Benelli M4. So I, I took it down. I had him hand it to me and took it down and sporked it. Well, you know, if you would ever come into town long enough to, you know, hit the range, I'd take you out what you shoot my M4. Thanks. I'll be there next week. All right. I'll just, I'll just fly into town. Um, so I held it and I asked and asked for the price. And um, so I'm going to get the uh, M4LE edition with the telescoping stock on it. Uh, I've been told it'll be in by Friday. I walked out. I text Reed and I said, I just made an emotional buy. <laughs> and I forget, I forget what you said to me. It was hilarious is all get out. Um, so let me pull it up here real quick. Cause it was like, it was classic Reed. Um, I said, I may have just, I just emotionally bought a Benelli M4. He's like, when are you going to physically buy it? And I was like, Friday when it comes in, um, and this is a podcast safe for all ears, so I cannot, <laughs> I cannot repeat what Reed said. So. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What did I say? <laughs> I say some stuff sometimes, and it's just kind of off the top of my head. I have no idea what I'm saying. No, I have an idea what I'm saying. I just don't recollect. Let's see. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's me. All right, well, I guess uh, you're just like, in a strange land of, um, I don't know what, subconscious, unconscious purchases? You, you got like, yeah, what, five yeah. rifles that you've emotionally bought that made their way home? Yeah. Before they made their way home, the fifth that will? That's all right. It will. That's it all will. Right. But, like, I've, I've got to ask you, maybe I'm, uh, and maybe this is, I don't know, man, my vocabulary is not here today. Uh, maybe this is going off the rails a little bit. But, like, we're... We've got the October one shooting out here. We've got one. We've got the guy who's running uh, as a Democrat. Look, Democrat, Republican, whatever you want to do, whatever it is, you know, my thoughts and views are my thoughts and views. But like the Democrat guys, like cuts a spot and he's like, we're going to ban bump stocks. We're going to ban silences. We're going to ban Bubba's shrimp boat captains. We're going to ban all this stuff. And, like, that's what he's doing. First of all, he's doing it driving a car down the strip, looking at the camera while he's behind the wheel. I think that's distracted driving. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's against the law. Um, but, like, that, that's the sole platform that he's running on. And so it's, like, the makeup of the voters in Nevada is, you know, it's it's a lot like um, it's a lot like the Pacific Northwest states. It's a, it's a lot like the West Coast. The big cities rule the roost, and Las Vegas is pretty liberal. And, um I know. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Ultimately, and I don't want to go too far down this, there is a, a, there is an avenue where the states are basically slapped down and told to, you know, get off the Constitution and go home, sit down. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that have to happen. I know that, um, for those that follow it, everybody, 
keeps up. They all have their own opinions, but I, I'm I'm not thoroughly discouraged. Mostly it's because I live in Texas and <laughs> we, we don't play those games. But like know. we, I, I've discussed it. I'm like I think I think if things start to go bad, you know, I find a you know there's places in middle of nowhere Utah where you can buy a home for nothing. So just go buy a home middle of Utah for nothing. And, you know, hopefully the blue wave doesn't progress past. And I'm not giving up and I'm a, and I'm a part of organizations here in Nevada that are uh, fighting and, you know, we'll fight tooth and nail until, but like the, the bull that just comes out, that's like, we're marching for our lives. And, you know, like, I forget what he said. I forget what the, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating right now. And, you know, watching the, we just had the primaries come through and, um, we've got, we've got people running for governor that are like, I'm doing this on principle and they're going to take some votes away from the side that would protect the second amendment. And there are four protecting the second amendment, but this guy is solely running based on principle, but his principle is going to end up splitting some of the vote. And, um, I'm not going to say any names, but man, I'm telling you, they may or may not be related to Ted Bundy. <laughs> so it's just, it, it's, it's whatever. It's an interesting thing. There are a lot of people passionately fighting uh, for our second amendment rights here in Nevada. Uh, there are a lot of people very active, but um, it's kind of a hill to climb right now, it, or at least it feels like it. And I may to get knocked upside the head by some of our Nevada listeners or some of the, the guys that own stores here and, and set me straight, but um, it's probably a little bit of the reason why I bought a Benelli, <laughs> just just like that. Didn't plan it, didn't think about it. Just as like, it's, oh, it's how am I going to sneak this past the wife? <laughs> well, I hear you. Well, I got a chance to get out to the range. Got the chronograph out on the six five Timberwolf and uh, shot a uh, uh, fifty rounds, uh, doing some load development and. It was really, really a nice rifle. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I think that 6.5 has, has some, some real potential. So I'm getting real eager to stretch it out and see what it'll do. Nice. So I guess with that, since Shady used up all of our, you know, catching up time, we'll have to go into the main topic now. What's our main topic? Well, you know, it's the DIY firearms projects. I think, you know, what, what occurs to me, is, uh, you know, a lot of guys, I'm sure, want to get into projects and they don't feel confident that they can do it. You know what I'm saying? Um, you get a project uh, that crosses your mind and you don't feel like you can do it. And I'm thinking that most of the people that feel that way just never get started. So the three that I've got, um, the 6.5 Timberwolf, and, you know, it's on an AR platform, and I've built a number of those, so I, I don't have any problem with that. But it's a Wildcat cartridge, and so there are some implications there that really kind of, you know, make you take a moment and think about it. Uh, another example is uh, a uh, 1903A3 that I uh, just uh, finished up. I haven't gotten it to the range, so I'm... Not really sure what kind of condition the barrel's in, but, you know, I, I'm real pleased with where it is right now, but it, it had some DIY element, elements that I had to 
sort through. And, you know, 1903, that's a very old design. It's, it's based on the Mauser's, uh, design and, you know, it's been made uniquely American with some of the improvements on it. But even at that, um, you know, it's, it's a little intimidating when you begin to look at the number of variations of the O3, uh, to try to figure out what you're going to need to do to, you know, I guess get it in good working order or at least have it, you know, look like you want it to. Um, the third example is the Browning high power clone that I got. It's a FEG, which is some very long Hungarian, you know, name for a, Hungarian firearms company. But uh, the FEG is, uh, I mean, that is beat all to hell. But, you know, it's still got good bones. And so I haven't started on the project, but I've, I've fired the firearm. And so I know it's in good working order. But I wanted to kind of touch on that DIY aspect. And, you know, some of the things that, that we think are beyond us really aren't. And kind of touch on some of the things that helped me get to a point where I have more comfort in tackling the projects. And of course, JD, who threw in the towel and just decided to hire a designated builder. (laughs) I do have one build under my belt and my, my recommendation and for 99.99, you can have the same thing too, is that you need Reed's telephone number. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you pay me 99 bucks, I will give you Reed's telephone number. Yeah, I might have to change that quick. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think you will, but the having have like having somebody who's in the know and like was actually around in 1903 when, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw your latest meme. I'm glad you didn't talk about my commander in chief being Lincoln. <laughs> that was kind of funny. The Ruth Bader Ginsburg one, yeah. <laughs> I think you would have had like John Adams or something. Like that. Oh, shut up. <laughs> so you know, let's start off with the the Timberwolf. the uh, The barrel um, was sent to me by Mad Dog Weapon Systems. Uh, Bruce over there did the work on it. It's an absolutely stellar barrel. Put it on that Arrow um, Builders uh, set that I bought. And I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. Uh, took it out to the range, uh, ran 50 through it. You know, it didn't have any problems with the cartridge. The, uh, the combined overall length is just right at the, the maximum for the magazines. And so there were two rounds that did not, um, seat in the chamber. Properly, and I think it was because they caught on the the front wall of the magazine, and they kind of nosedived as they were stripped off by the bolt. But that was only two out of fifty. You know, I think that maybe with a little more quality control, I should be able to control that. But you know, it it still is, I think, an intimidation factor when looking at what needs to go into. Preparing to use the Timberwolf. Building the rifle is fine, but, you know, number one, you've got a brand new barrel and there just isn't any ammunition. You know what I'm saying? You have to load your own. But because it's not a SAMI certified 
cartridge yet, you can't really start with a generic load and season the barrel. Or you can't start with some factory ammo and season the barrel. So that was kind of an intimidation factor. Um, and, you know, developing the load, the, the guys over there at Mad Dog are really helpful. They, they've really provided me with a lot of uh, insight because while it's new for me, um, they've been shooting the rifle for some time. There are a number of folks that um, preceded me in getting rifles built. And so, of course, they've had the rifle for some time. They've been developing loads. So there's some information out there and, and, you know, the group is, is pretty tight knit and they're trying to be, um, really diligent and, and helpful. So that helps you get over it. But, you know, I, I think probably if I was an average guy, average shooter, I, I probably wouldn't have tackled this kind of project just for the sake of getting into the caliber. I, I don't know that I would have, but I'm telling you, it, it, it is not as difficult as one might think. So even, okay. Speaking of, like the wildcat cart cartridge and reloading it, it, it doesn't make me feel comfortable. Like and may, and I have not jumped into the reloading thing and I'm, I'm taking applications for a designated reloader. Um, <laughs> But, like, I'm just going to farm this out. I'm going to turn it into a big baseball team. I'm going to have a bullpen. I'm going to have a bench. I'm going to have a starting nine. It'll, it'll be great. Um, dude, don't yawn. We catch that stuff. That's that's banned here. Like, we don't say Palmetto State, and we don't yawn. <laughs> but, um, the, like, the I can see that being intimidating for a do-it-yourself project, like doing a wildcat on well, the thing of – it's the thing we've had back and forth too. Like you're on the six five, and I think it's it's amazing. I told you this week that I went the two two four Valkyrie route. I starting to see it come up a little bit more. John and the guys over at the Gun Collective did a video on one of theirs. I'm seeing ammo pop up for it. I'm like, I don't have to hire a designated reloader to do this. Right. So I can right. see where I see that that where that would stop somebody doing it. Now I say this with all the compassion and kindness. In my heart, you're a nerd when it comes to reloading ballistics and stuff. And I mean that in a great way. Like I throw, you know, a gun, a piece of gum at like the, you know, mom's demand to action people at the NRA convention. It reads like you needed to throw that like two feet further to get the, get the lift and the drop to get right where you wanted it to go. Reed knows what he's talking about when he get there. I look at all that stuff and I'm like, I need a sandwich. Yeah. Like, that's not, I don't, like, I've tried and people, Anthony's tried and other people have talked to me about reloading and getting into it. And I'm like, right now, the only thing I need to worry about reloading is my refrigerator because I got like three soon to be teenagers in my house. It just, it just doesn't work. So I can see where that would be like, not a put off to do something, but like it could be a determining factor in your do it yourself project on that caliber. And, and, you know, I think here's the thing. If, you are stepping into an arena like that. You have to find the community. You know, I, in much the same way that we have done with the podcast, we've, we've built a community. There is a community of people that listen. And then there's a tier of community that listens and, and, um, participates in, in some way. Um, and then, and then there's a smaller, part of the community that, that, that tries to do as much more as they can. Um, 
And just like you can find with like, uh, uh, what is it? The Nevada shooters. Uh-huh. Um, there are a number of places you can go where the community develops. Now I'm going to, to say this and I'm going to try to be, try to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to expect you, the listener, to be, you know, understanding, but there are a lot of places where it's not a community. It's just a forum for people to go and give each other grief. Um, and that, that's not a community. You know what I'm saying? That's not a place where everybody's purpose is to support and build up each other to, to help advance something or to help improve something. Um, so a lot of forums aren't community. It's just a play for the place for the keyboard commandos to go. But there are places, there are groups, there are forums where it is community, where it is a group of people who have common interests and a common goal and everybody's supportive. The guys at Mad Dog have created that they have. And, they, and they, you know what? They have killed it on that aspect. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. like, as, as I say that the new caliber can be intimidating, you may not want to get into reloading, you may want to do that. I have watched, I'm a member of all the groups because they're just, they're just good guys. I have watched them on all aspect of knowledge levels, people come in and ask questions and everybody is friendly. I've not run into one DB mm-hmm. on that site. Now, every once in a while, there'll be a, um, there'll be somebody who trolls on another site. Like the, like they'll mention a hunting caliber thing and they won't list one of the wildcat options. And they're really quick to kind of be like, we're not about that life. We're not about, you know, reaching out like that. But I think they've done it. I think uh, TGC Nation mm-hmm. has done it. The Gun Collective has done it. Um, 308, the 308 forms have yeah, done it too. Yeah. Um, I think Nevada Shooters has done it. Um, and I'm a member of Nevada Shooters. We're also a sponsor uh, of Nevada Shooters. So there are places that are doing it right. But when you get to some of the bigger ones, uh, you see a lot of trolls pop up and we have the trolls on our site too. And when they message us about buying rifles and buying stuff, we always share the, with you. <laughs> I think you asked, like we needed an interpreter or something for it, but we always share those messages. Well, no, no. A guy, a guy asked, uh, uh, if we speak Spanish and I said, I don't, but I, I know that we have listeners that do. And then he cussed me out. Then I messaged him back and I said, I think you spelled that wrong. <laughs> those are great and we share them for for all you guys to see but there are great places to be to be a part of and get that kind of um get that kind of guidance and that wisdom that that those places like bruce and mark and man jt and i know i'm forgetting a couple of them over there but they're all like they're all really helpful and uh same with the guys at nevada shooters same with the community i see at tgc they don't they don't put up with a lot of grief they're in there pretty quick there's places like that that are really good. Um, and that if you have some of those concerns, like I do, they're going to be able to alleviate them or point you in the right direction or tell you what to get. If you want to take that step, um, that's, that's outside of my wheelhouse right now. Maybe later when I become more refined and become a gentleman, like Reed is, <laughs> um, I'll be able to have it. And by the way, Reed has a sweet setup, uh, for reloading and stuff. So I could see, you know, I could see being into it. Then for me, I'd have to like, put it in my kid's bedroom closet next to like the half eaten apple and the chicken nuggets from 2016. So, So, you know, I think that's really the biggest part of 
any DIY project. If it's something you've never done before, you have to find the community of people who do that, who are into that, who are going to be willing to share and support you and give you advice and counsel and help. Um, so I think that's an important thing. You know, another thing with the Timberwolf is, you know, I would say uh, for me, the, uh, the important aspect of, you know, getting an understanding of the platform is, you know, recording data. And you, you just, there, there's no givens with, uh, a wildcat. You, you, you can't, you know, read a label on the box that tells you what your muzzle velocity and, you know, uh, all the other aspects of your, your projectile are, you know, going to be because everything is handmade. You know, even the, the brass, none of the brass for this is factory brass. It's all been, um, it, it's all other brass that's been reshaped to essentially fit the dimensions of the Wildcat cartridge. Um, and, you know, I'm not at the level where I'm going to tackle that, but, you know, I'm sure at some point I'll have to if I want to really begin to, you know, lay in some stores of, of you know, loaded ammunition. So, you know, that's on the horizon, and certainly that was one of the considerations that, you know, ran across my mind when I was looking at tackling this. But, you know, I'm I'm at a point, I think, in my interest in the hobby and my experience in the hobby that I'm willing to tackle that next step. Um, and so it, it didn't deter me all that much uh, in and of itself. And, you know, Mad Dog came out with the Wolverine, and they were very successful in that. You know, who's to say that in a year or two they're not going to get the – uh, Timberwolf semi-certified, and we're going to start seeing brass from any number of manufacturers. So, you know, I'm kind of, you know, it's the long play for me. Um, but, you know, getting a chronograph out there and setting it up at the range and, you know, taking some data, um, that's not an intimidating thing, but it's just an added element that I've not had in my shooting before. So it's something that I'm incorporating into this project. But I will tell you, this is the weirdest thing. So I, I mentioned that I had two rounds that, that didn't feed, right? And so it was in the third string of the ladder and the fifth string of the ladder. But you know what's really frustrating? That was a question to you, J.D. What's really frustrating is when you realize that it's Slurpee Day and the free Slurpee's already done. Nope. Minutes. What's really frustrating is when you shoot nine rounds of your third string and ten velocities show up. Oh. And on the fifth string, when one of them didn't feed, again, ten readings for nine projectiles. Are they all close? Like, I mean, I'm looking at them. They're not that far off, are they? Well, there are three that really are. So... But that's that's so dang odd. You know what I mean? I just wanted to tell me where where did you get the tenth round? Because my neighbor was separated from me by an aisle. 
right? The walkway to mm-hmm. go down to the targets. And so for him to shoot sideways and go through the sensors on my chronograph would be impossible. And there is nobody to my right. So <laughs> I don't know where that 10th round on those two strings came from. So there was somebody to your left? Yeah, but he was so far away he couldn't possibly have because it's ten feet in front of me, and there's ten feet between the lanes, center to center, and so imagine him having to shoot at forty-five degrees downrange from his bench just to shoot through my chronograph, which wasn't angled at forty. It's just impossible. I'm telling you, I don't know where that tenth reading came from. So, I was just trying to figure out the fact that if he's on the right and there's nobody on your left, that means that you're in the center. No, so no, no. Like, he's on the left. Oh, he's on the left. Nobody to my right. Nobody to your right. But it's my my bench, my lane. Then there's an aisle that is the pathway to walk down range. And then his lane, his bench. So it's a good space. Anyways, and I don't know that we're going to be able to ponder the mysteries of why the hell I have a 10th reading on nine rounds. But... um Maybe if a yeah, listener. we can add it. We can add it to a couple of things. We can add it to if Tupac's alive, if Elvis is alive, did Roswell really happen, and how did the tenth round show up? The tenth round that should actually be that could actually be the new name for loose rounds. <laughs> Welcome to the tenth round. Doesn't really exist. I like don't that. Hold, I like that. Don't hold. Don't hold anything against us. We're gonna do that. We're gonna name it the tenth round. Okay, so. Yeah, getting the chronograph out there. And, you know, I'm sure that as my, my experience with, you know, setting up and taking readings off the chronograph goes, I'll, I'll get better at it. So, you know, I'm just saying. But, um, you know what? I, I had a good time. I had a really good time at the range, really good time taking care of business. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, the next project is the 1903 A3. As, as soon as I got my M1 Grand, and geez, that has to have been seven, eight years ago. It's oh, I thought you were going to be like, it was the spring of 1945. Oh, that was way back in 06. No. <laughs> um, so when I got the M1 Grand, that was when I really began um, developing a keen interest in getting a 1903. The... um the 1903s and the A1s really aren't kind of my thing, so I was I was kind of set on the A3. But you know, the uh, the old bolt guns, the old Garands, the old uh, M1 carbines—that's a completely different beast in terms of a DIY project. It's not like going out and getting the parts to an AR to do a clone build or to you know customize the AR to your particular needs. It's just not even in the same ballpark. So um, I got a really lucky break um, on a guy that was selling an 03 A3 for what I thought was a reasonable price based on availability, based on what else is out there. No, it was just a really good price. The pictures of the the receiver and the barrel and you know all the other metal – I mean, it all looked good. Um, there didn't appear to be any rust or pitting or any of the major pitfalls you find in what can sometimes be very cheaply priced firearms. Um, 
I got it in and, and actually got it in my hands and, and there just, there wasn't anything troubling about it. But, you know, there were some things that I wasn't, you know, going to let sit. And the first was the stock. I mean, it looked like it had been cracked in a few places. It looked like it, it had been glued together with some kind of really a sloppy job. And so, uh, it was then, I think, stained. A really dark stain that I think was in a inappropriate uh, for the for the the rifle itself, and then um, the screw heads on almost every single screw were stripped out. Which you know I think that's just I don't know I guess Bubba got his hands on it and didn't understand any of the finer parts and not you know goring out your screw heads. But you know my. DIY consideration at this point is parkerizing. And so parkerizing in and of itself is not an enormously complex project. You know what I mean? It's not like trying to Cerakote something. I mean, that takes some, some equipment, some skills, some experience, maybe a little bit of training. Um, parkerizing is a much simpler process, I would say in terms of your inputs. And yes, it's it's a, a more complicated receiver and barrel setup. Uh, I couldn't separate them uh, without having a gunsmith involved, and I wouldn't want to. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that I could effectively prep uh, the barrel so that I could get everything else parkerized and, you know, save the the bore and the uh, chamber from having some material get in. So, I mean, I think that's my only concern. But, you know, parkerizing, I think, is one of those things that you could probably find any competent gunsmith to do for you. You know what I mean? So, I, I think when it comes down to it, taking on a project like that, 1903, it comes down to the idea that there are so many things out there, it's hard to not get ripped off if you don't have either a community to guide you or resources like books that will help you sort through things. And, you know, for instance, did you know that there is a serial number range cutoff for the 1903s where there is a concern for the hardness of the receiver? Not until you just told me. So below a given serial number range, there is a concern as to whether or not the material was properly hardened when it was manufactured. Above that given range, nobody has a problem at all. And so uh, that's one of those things that either you search long enough to come across it and, you know, stick it in your brain pan for future use, or someone who is helping you through the process says, hey, by the way, if you see a serial number below this range... Don't get it. It's not safe. So that goes back to the idea of community. But, you know, the intimidation factor for me is, is it a good deal? Am I getting ripped off? Is someone going in and telling me that it's, you know, the the unicorn of 1903s, and yes, this $4,000 price tag is completely justified, and please send me a check, you know, or... You know, is some guy going to look over my shoulder and say, you know, that can't possibly be what he says it is because it's got the wrong butt plate and it's got the wrong, you know, uh, 
with a wrong uh, front swivel or the wrong band or the wrong this or the wrong that. And the O3 A3s have had such a long production run for what it is that you could probably chronicle year over year, manufacturer to manufacturer, some minute change in the way the rifle was originally built that you you would have to be solely into the O3s in order to know it all. You know what I mean? So the idea of community, having people that can help you understand what you're looking at, whether it is what it is, whether it's worth what it's worth, community helps. But that's an intimidation factor. You know what I mean? You know, the M1 Garand was easy because, you know, I trust the CMP. I trust what they did, and I trust what they were advertising. You know, I didn't get one of the <coughs> – excuse me. I didn't get one of the rifles that was, you know, in its original condition. I got one that was assembled by gunsmiths out of parts and receivers and bolts that they have on hand to be a shooter. You know, it's their special grade. But the whole purpose is for me to take that to the range and shoot it without fearing that I'm, <coughs> without fearing that I'm going to go shoot, I don't know, Audie Murphy's rifle or some other war hero's rifle or destroy a piece of history. I know that my M1, I can take it out. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I don't think this has happened before. I think you're getting <laughs> choked up about a rifle, and that's okay. We under we understand. You know, I, I have a tear rolling down my cheek right now. Like, well, right I spork my lowers. Yeah. We all know that you, like, anything that's older than 25 years, you spoon it. We yeah. know that I saw the oil that you used to rub it down. I saw, <laughs> like... I saw like the special lights that he has come on. Like it's not, it's not on a timer, guys. There's like a sensor outside Reed's house. Like when the sun reaches a certain point in the horizon, like the lights come on for the case and they slowly rise up. It's a very dramatic effect. There's music playing in the background. Oh, I it's think, a very, I like, think you need to just stop. It's a very illustrious <laughs> kind of. I'm just trying to give you time so you can uh, clear your throat so you don't die on the podcast. Well, I'm, I'm fine now, I think. No, I think. That would end the podcast because it'd be like, I'm JD, I collect lowers. What do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> okay. So. You good? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, another aspect that I think is kind of intimidating is how you source good parts. You know, because we deal in the AR platform with. Modern companies who are producing, you know, current production products that are currently in the market and <clears throat> for almost any particular need, I would say that you're likely to find at least two providers, if not more, of, of virtually anything you would want to do or attach or, you know, uh, fiddle with on the AR. But when you're talking about the 1903, you know, production has stopped on, I think, everything out there. There's no new production metal as far as I know. So we're, at this point, cannibalizing old rifles. And, you know, I'm sure there are places you can go and someone's got, you know, back rooms full of, you know, unopened um, new this old is- stock or old new stock, whatever it is. I thought you were gonna make it big about my lowers. No, but I mean, there's somebody out there that collects those parts and just well, doesn't let them out. 
you know, the, the, the company that I use, um, I think it's, uh, Numrich, N-U-M-R-I-C-H. You know, you get on there and, I mean, literally, I'm guessing that this is some guy that in his state has been acquiring this stuff for years and the website was built by his grandson. So, you know, going through the inventory is a little tough. Figuring out whether it's the part you need is a little tough. You know, some of those aspects don't make it easy. I mean, you go to a modern AR manufacturer's website and they're doing everything possible to help you spend your money with them. I mean, they're doing a great job. <clears throat> and Numrich does a great job of providing an avenue, a source for these things. But I think Numrich was probably a catalog long before it was ever a uh, an internet company. And, you know, finding parts is kind of hard. But <clears throat> when you find a source for good parts, you know, you kind of stick with them. I have a list of three or four places that I will always go to for those parts, and that's just going to be the way it is. But I think that's an intimidation factor. You know, <clears throat> it's not like going to Amazon <laughs> where, you know, you can find anything that was ever made under the sun except for that rare thing that you really need. Um, so, but once again... You know, the communities where you go to to say, hey, where do you guys buy your parts? Where do you guys get your things? Where do you guys go to help yourselves out on this? So I think that that's, I mean, those are intimidation factors or things that might dissuade you from launching off into a project. And, you know, here's another thing. Like uh, JT, right? He's one of the guys mm -hmm. over at Mad Dog. He has an incredible skill set. Skill set that I don't have. You know, a skill set that I'd like to have. You know, but I don't think I have enough years left in my life to get to the point where I'm as skilled as uh, JT or, or Bruce and what they do. I hear a little bit of a man crush. Like, maybe I, my hearing may be off a little bit, but I don't, don't think I know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, <laughs> sure I, I'm, I'm oblivious to the whole concept and, and I know not of what you speak. But the point is, is that, you know, I saw JT step off on on a project uh, recently in 1903, and I mean, he was really able to get some heavily rusted um, material refurbished, repaired, and then um, fixed up. And you know what? I love to be able to do that. I just I don't have the skill set, and and I would be. Um, I think I would be dissuaded from getting into the project if I had to go out and figure out how to, you know, use electrolysis to get rust off of metal or how to go out and, you know, machine parts or how to, you know, tear up the receiver into its constituent elements. You know, these are things that are beyond my skills at this point. And it's not that I couldn't get there. It's just that I'm not there now and I want the rifle more than I want the skills. So, but, you know, I, I think what it comes down to is, once again, community is a great thing to have when you're getting into a project like this. <clears throat> then, uh, you know, I think the, the third one, the last one of, of my uh, gun projects is the uh, High Power Clone. Um, it's, I think everybody just calls them FEG clones or FEG Brownings or... FEG high powers, but I believe it's a Hungarian company. 
um, pretty sure Hungarian, and they had a license, and the tooling is all um, high power tooling. So what they build is essentially the same as what you would buy from Browning had Browning not discontinued the high power. And you know, the high power is one of those things that I've always wanted one. I've never really shot very well with one. You know, I, I don't. I shoot much better with my SIG. But I still really love the, the lines and the look of the high power. So I got the, the, the FEG and I think JD, did I show that to you? I mean, it is just all sorts of beat the hell. The bluing's all gone. The thing is just toast in terms of that, but it's not pitted out. It's not rusted out. It's still a very good, solid firearm. That's the firearm with the Palestinian brain matter in it, right? Yeah, well, that's what you said. I, okay, I, cool. I believe that Just they sure. were Israeli police issue sidearms. It's cool. A Palestinian, Hezbollah, Iran, whatever it is, it's cool. There's brain matter on it. I saw it. So <clears throat> all of that to say, um, I think that there is an intimidation factor in a project like that simply because it's an unknown manufacturer on a platform that is well-known. And so I think there is this huge element of research that has to be undertaken. And, you know, I know these old-timers that, that you know, the ones that would sit around and absorb shotgun news and shooting times and, you know, they knew everything. You know, they're rare these days to find those guys that can sit down with you and say, yeah, yeah, I've, I've owned a few of those old things and yeah, they're pretty good. You gotta watch out for this and, you know, keep your eyes open for that. You know, you don't find those guys anymore. So to step off into this new uncharted territory on something that you can't really vet because you don't have the knowledge yourself, I think that's intimidating. But once again, community is a great place to go to get help. On what it is you're looking at. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> you know, the, the Firearms Radio Network has a lot of guys doing a lot of different podcasts. Um, Ryan Machad over there at uh, Handgun Radio. I can't tell you how many times I've sent him a picture of something I've seen in some, you know, shop case and said, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you, what do you think of that? Is this a good deal? And you know what? Always there with a helpful comment, always there trying to guide, always there trying to, to educate. And, and, you know, he's part of my community. So those people helped me understand that what I was buying wasn't, you know, a paperweight. My understanding of its condition and how it looked and what I was buying based on what the seller represented was, you know, uh, that internal experience helped me understand that what I was getting was not a dud either. And so I think all things being equal, it, it once again comes down to the idea of relying on that community when you are going to step off into a project in an area that you may not be all that comfortable in. JD, you looked like you were tapping your head. You were going to tell me something. Uh, I just was wondering if you had found somebody to do the cleanup work on that Browning clone. You know, I haven't. And I guess what JD is talking about is rather than trying to strip it and re-blue it, what I wanted to do is Cerakote it. So 
I think that it would really turn it into a very nice looking pistol if that were the case. But, you know, I need to find someone that can Cerakote it for me. And maybe, maybe put some kind of a fanboy pattern on it. I haven't decided yet. Fanboy? You should get the uh, high point dollar bill. No, no. I'm going to go with something much more, much more reserved. Uh, what I was actually thinking was, um, what is it? The black camo? Is that right? Well, I can't like the digital camo? No, not digital camo. Well, that's not a here or there. But, um, you know what? There's just a lot of new and interesting ways to jazz up a firearm. Since I'm not going to go with the traditional bluing, I don't know why I couldn't go and try to have some, you know, really nice pattern put on it and go from there. But, you know, I think what I'm trying to illustrate in a broader sense is even though there are places where we try to, you know, stay in, in, you know, charted waters. Um, the R15 is a well-known platform. It's a very well understood platform. There are a lot of resources and a lot of support, but there are a lot of other firearms that I'm sure, you know, a lot of our listeners are interested in as well. And I just kind of want to share that. I don't think that it's all that hard to step into this place where you can begin to explore those interests in the same kind of DIY way that you would with your AR. And, you know, all of that being said, all the idea of community and DIY that we've talked about, there are still good, high-quality gunsmiths and good, high-quality service providers that will help you with some of these needs. Because, you know, that's the business they're in. I can find a shop that will Cerakote my clone. I could find a gunsmith or a shop that will parkerize my O3 and reassemble it. And the Timberwolf, I could find someone that could reload for me. There are things that I can do and things that I'm not quite comfortable doing yet. But, you know, we'll see as uh, my experience grows. But I don't know. I just thought that I would... uh Talk about that tonight because it's something that I've been dealing with personally, very specifically, probably in this last two months. So there you go. You know, I think you could do a good job on that. No. That is Cerakote. They're up in that by. Uh, oh, is that where all those other companies are? Where Sword is, where Axelson is up there, like just south of Tahoe up there. We got to reach out to them. Uh, we talked to them at NRA. They did one of the. They did the um, Pledge of Allegiance in the Fourth of July builder set that Arrow Precision released. And the cool thing was, is when we were there at the booth, like they showed us uh, that work, and it was really cool to see it come out and uh, see the stuff that they've done. And uh, I'm still holding out for a Metallica one cover art Cerakote uh, themed rifle. I think I'm just gonna do my Nevesky and Fidel in it and just call it a day. <laughs> well, you know, I think, J.D., you brought up an idea with your designated builder that is something that, you know, really shouldn't be dismissed. You know, I don't know. I'm guessing if it was 1950-something or 1960-something and you were a sportsman, you were into hunting or you were into, you know, shooting in whatever fashion, you knew a gunsmith. And because gunsmiths were 
all over the place. They plied their trade. They could make a living. And there were plenty of them who had been trained after the war or were getting into it as young men. And, you know, there just was a, a regular availability of them. You know, I don't, I don't think it's quite the same way these days. You know, I can't tell you how many times, um, you know, like, what is it? Bass Pro came in and built their store and put a great big, um, gunsmith's facility in the kind of the sub part of the store back in the firearms area. And it was, it was exciting. And, you know, the minute I needed a gunsmith, I walked into that store and you know what? They closed it down. That for whatever reason, you know, Bass Pro didn't think it was important enough or they didn't get enough traffic or whatever. And he was gone. And, you know, I called all over the place to try to find someone to help me on that project. I'm telling you, JD, there wasn't anybody that could handle that, a simple project. And, you know, I'm sure, um, I mean, I've found someone since, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure plenty of people have experienced the same thing. You know, you'd think that in the digital age that we'd be able to find whatever we need, but the problem is, is I think that it's a dying art. I think fewer and fewer people are getting up to speed on what it is to actually be a gunsmith. And, you know, talking to the guys over there at New Frontier, talking to Dave, you know, he's like, all these guys walk around talking about how they're gunsmiths, and they're not gunsmiths, they're armorers. You know, they know routine things, but they don't know how to, you know, harden, you know, that particular steel part on your firearm so it does what it's supposed to do. They don't know how to do the machining. They don't know how to do the the aspect of uh, whatever particular project it is that requires a true gunsmith's skill and understanding. You know, I can assemble an AR-15 that does not make me a gunsmith. You know, I've got a... Uh, uh, cousin-in-law that is a gunsmith, trained at one of the, the oldest um, gunsmith schools in America. And, you know, you walk into his house, and I'm telling you, J.D., you know, there is a rifle around every corner that he built with his hands from scratch. You, you can't find people with that skill set anywhere, or not I mean, anywhere. You can't find them everywhere like you used to be able to. I mean, I'm a gunsmith of a different nature. I like guns. I own guns and my last name's Smith. So that, that works for me, but that doesn't work for everybody else. <laughs> but, you know, so the idea of a designated builder, the idea of getting a gunsmith, it's not a bad idea. But I think there's probably a generation that don't realize that you can do that um, or may not realize. So I don't think that it's such a uh, bad thing that if you're going to get into a DIY project at the outset, Find that guy with the skill set you need so that he can do your project for you. You're going to pay your premium. You know, there's just no doubting that. But I don't think it's any more than like if I were going to, you know, parkerize something and have to go get a bead blasting cabinet and the tools and the equipment and a, you know, parkerizing tank and the chemicals. You know, by the time I'm done assembling what I need to do the job, I could have paid someone else to do it. So. I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think that I would, you know, discourage the idea of finding someone to build your firearm for you. Because sometimes you need a professional. You don't need an amateur. <laughs> so that's all I got. What do you got, JD? Um, hopefully a Benelli M4 on Friday. Yeah. 
Well, I guess you're going to fiscally commit to that emotional purchase. Man, I, I probably wouldn't have bought it, but the, um, the Tavor 12 keeps getting put off. I'm like, do I really need... I have a Sega 12. I really need a 12 gauge that holds like 800 rounds. So I already have one. <laughs> I suppose... That's what I was pondering. I'm looking for the, what is it, the H&R 176 10 gauge. Trying to find one of those. If our community can find one. I know the one on Gunbroker, but I keep watching it get bid up. Um, it's almost up to $500 now. I'm not, wor- I'm not, I'm not willing to pay $500 for a gun that I just want to, like, cut the barrel off and <laughs> giggle once or twice when I shoot it and then put it away. I don't think it's much more than a... $250 rifle, is it? Or shotgun? I don't think so, but I'm watching it get bid up, and I've seen a couple of them at 400 but um, ever since Mark mentioned, what is it, Thumper? Yeah. On the on the show, like I've watched them get bought up. So Now, I will Mark. say that that's the downside of a community. Yeah, you guys buy stuff. <laughs> because when some guy's talking about something that even slightly piques your interest, you're like, hmm, I should oh, do yeah. that. Hey, um, you've got the P365, right? Yes, I do. Is it, uh, how many rounds have you put through it? Um, 450 now. I got about 600 through mine. Yeah. Um, shot and let off. you have any failures with it? No. I haven't had any either. You know, here's the thing. I think everybody wants to be an expert or whatever the hell they want to be an expert at. That doesn't mean they are. So... And- Every time somebody comes out and says, oh, that's crap, I think you just go, should go figure it out for yourself. Is there anything new in the gun world that we haven't talked about? You know, there's always new stuff. I keep trying to figure out how I'm going to justify buying an M203 grenade launcher. And I'm not talking a 37-millimeter one because, for Christ's sake, if I have to pay the same price, I'm going to get the 40-millimeter. Because, you know, I I think of the M203 just like, People think of the the pistol brace. Uh, mm-hmm. Pistol brace is just for the folks that want to make an SBR when the revolution comes. I want my neutered M203 grenade for when the revolution. Yeah, for when the revolution comes, I'll have a 40-millimeter grenade launcher. Shoot out potatoes out of that thing. <laughs> I, You know, I, I hear what you're saying about when the revolution comes. I don't think I would take this off. I mean, I may SBR this lower and then work on it later. To do it, but like it kind of works, like the way it is. Like, yeah, I get. It. I don't see that's it. a whole nother show on the dynamics of how this is a pistol. Like, how is this a pistol? Like, explain, explain to me how that. Like, I so I brought it into work. Um, I'm the I'm the gun guy here at work. Um, we work in the hood. I mean, the neighborhood used to be like high end casino homes of all of the execs back in the seventies. And it's not that anymore. Um, so like I'm the gun guy here. Um, but I brought this in and like, I'm explaining to him that the reason why I can have the eight inch barrel on it is because it's a pistol. It's not a rifle. I'm like, well, why? And I looked at it and I look at this thing and I'm like, I don't understand why to be, to be completely honest with you. I bet you could probably answer it. I bet Adam Kraut over at the legal brief could probably answer it. But I'm looking at this and trying to tell people why this, at, at, on, you know, the shockwave, I'm going to make sure I was getting it right, why this would qualify it as a pistol. 
Like I know there's some, I know there's some legal jargon answer, but like if you're looking at it at common sense, I just said common sense. We're gonna get hate mail. No, 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 um, not we. Oh, I, who's yeah. this we, Kimasabi? Well, no, I'm just trying to like I'm just looking at this and playing the devil's advocate. How does this qualify as a pistol? <clears throat> I'm just gonna let you dig your own hole. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong, and I'll put a Battle Arms Development PEW stock on it. Um, we see that's why you need to SBR it so you can put the Battle Arms PDW stock on it. The, the crazy thing is, it'll be even smaller. Yep, yep. Like, it'll be even smaller. The the bat, like the one that I have coming, I think it's like a two or three inch barrel. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like there. You know, it. if you had like a two or three inch barrel and a two or three inch stock, then you're basically looking at like what a foot and a half. I mean, my shortest SBR is 24 inches. I bet you could shave six inches off that. <clears throat> well, I mean, I, I've i always been told uh, size doesn't matter, so that's been a huge encouragement to me in my life. So, like, the really, really small SBRs appeal to me. I've been gone way too long and have not had a sarcastic <laughs> outlet. Yikes, wow. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Like, I just... I'll have to go back and stuff. I didn't think I would be buying a pistol, and so I bought a pistol. I didn't think I'd be buying a Benelli, and I bought a Benelli. Well, I mean, I understand the Benelli. I get that. I don't understand the pistol. I, like, I don't think it'll stay like this very long. In fact, what are the NFA wait times? You know, I don't We're know. Go look. I've got something you know, I have in the, ATF I, jail. I have, do you have anything in the ATF jail? Yeah, I've got an SBR in the ATF jail. This is the loose part of the show where we just talk about whatever comes to mind. This part of the show brought to you by... Okay, that ain't right. Well, we need to update that. Why don't you go ahead and close this out, JD, since I think we've completely left the rails and we're probably going over the cliff. 170 days looks like the average right now. 174, 170 days. That's not too bad. Not too bad. All right. With that, um, send your comments, complaints... Um, show suggestions to uh, ar15podcast at gmail.com uh, you can also contact us through the website we'll be updating that here pretty quick um, yeah listen uh, listen, and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher we're going to try to get out more regular try to get uh, back it's good to be back with Reed uh, pardon the sarcasm or not if you enjoy that kind of thing uh, New Frontier Armory a great supporter of the show uh, they'll be doing our next uh, giveaway also. Uh, so if you have any needs for your uh, firearms uh, hobbies, check them out. NewFrontierArmory.com. You can find them on Facebook too. Um, if you do call the store, make sure you ask for McLovin. Um, there's actually a McLovin that works there or Frank, Ivan, uh, any of the guys there um, or gals can help you out. Um, other than that, uh, check us out on Facebook. Check out the Patreon if you'd like to support the show. Um, I just have to keep talking because Reed's not back in his seat yet, and he controls all the audio for the show. So I have to just keep talking until he's ready to come back. <coughs> I'm back. He's on. He's on the other side of eighty. So sometimes things happen. <coughs> Are you dying again? I think so. Man, what is going on? I go away for a couple weeks. Well, I don't have anybody to mother me and tell me to quit eating M&Ms and corn chips. Corn chips. Who'd you do the last show with? I think that would be Mike. Mike? How's Mike doing? 
He's doing good. Huh. All right, everybody. So easily replaced. So easily replaced. <laughs> well, you see, it's just like everything else in life. Half the battle is showing up. <laughs> Until next time, whether it's next week, next month, or next year, here's looking at you, kid. All right. Bye, guys. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.